I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. to another edition of the Lost of Words DFS podcast. I'm joined as ever by Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey Tom, how's everything? It's good. I had a really good betting week last week. The the, the betting show, we had the, the first, second, second and sixth place finishers. Um, Jason put up Max Homer as his one and done picks. So that was good. Uh, I had the, the pain of watching Keegan Bradley, you know, do what Keegan Bradley does with 54 hole leads, which I think is actually a little bit unfair. I think he generally actually played quite well. It's just that any time that Homer kind of gave him a bit of an in, he just didn't take it. And it wasn't even necessarily like the putting. It was like he just hit some really weird shots. Um, but other than that, I thought he was pretty good. And then Cameron Young did what Cameron Young does at the moment, right? And then there was just some other really good performances. I thought Rory was great for you know the, the, the final two rounds. And Fitz, who you were obviously very keen on, what is it with Fitz do you think is a di- Because he's always noted for his putting, right? But I think it's his putting that holds him back on Sunday. Because every time it sort of turns to him and you see him rattling in a 15-footer for par and you think he's so good at putting. But every time it turns to him for a 7- or 8-foot birdie putt, he just seems to miss it. And I think that's the difference between him winning now. Yeah, I was talking about this the other day. And um, being on him, it's like, you know, I it's kind of exactly what I knew what would happen. But I, I, I really thought he was going to be there. And I was just hoping maybe... So- the way he's going to win is if he did what he did on Sunday and then Max did what Keegan did and just backed up a bit and he kind of finds himself in a playoff or something. And I thought there was a possibility of that happening. So I, even five back, I was not confident, but I really did think there was a shot going into Sunday. And it turns out that there was. But I, I think when you look at the way he putts, it's like those par putts, he puts them in with pace. Yeah. And then you see the, the birdie putts and either they die short of the hole or they miss on the low side every time. And I think... It's just a different mindset that he has. Like with the par putt, he thinks he needs to make it. And the birdie putt, he's like, he doesn't want to race it too far by. But, I, and, but that's the strangest thing, right? It's because he shouldn't be scared of racing it by because every time he does, he seems to make the comeback. So it's he, it's like Spieth, wasn't it? He used to be so aggressive with them and just knock them as far past as he did because he knew he'd make the ones back. And if you have the confidence in your ability, I guess he's maybe just not as confident as we are in him, in himself, I think, is, is maybe, you know, when you watch his cross-handing, chipping and things like that, I think there might actually be a lot of self-doubt there. And, you know, it, like you say, it is. It's a completely different approach. He doesn't hit the birdie putts with the same velocity. And I just I just wonder maybe, like, he gets a little bit frustrated when he's got a par putt and just kind of goes, right, that's it, I'm going to hit it. And, and it actually works out for him. Whereas, like you say, he's, with the birdie putt, he's trying to die them in or stuff. I mean, I, I don't think there's reason for a alarm about Matthew Fitzpatrick. I don't think he's he's not blowing anything. He's just not quite getting there to to really have a chance, I don't think. My concern with him, and I think it's slightly unfair because of he's been successful on the European and DP World Tour, but I think my thing with him is does he it doesn't even seem like at times he cares that much about winning. It's like no intestinal fortitude, no drive, no competitive fire inside of him that I'm just waiting for it to come out, but it just doesn't. Yeah, and I wonder if that's a little bit of like, because it's always just come so easy to him. Like he's won the US Amateur, he's been in Walker Cups, been in Ryder Cups just straight away early on in his career. Um, you know, played in majors early on in his career, got loads, you know, bucket load of wins on DP World Tour. I think he's got six or seven wins on there. Like maybe he... His attitude is like, there's no rush. Like, it'll come when it comes. And actually, it's like, no, Fitz. Like, Fleetwood, yeah. Fleetwood probably thought that. Like, 
three years ago. Exactly. Um, and, and I just wonder if he goes the same way. I'm hoping he doesn't. You know, I, I like Fitz. I like what he represents. I think that, you know, he's got a, a smart caddy in Billy Foster. And I think that's helped him a lot kind of take the next jump. Um, just maybe needs a kind of kick up the ass to, to finally go over the line. It's time. It's time. Yeah. So anyway, Fitz isn't playing this week, so that that's enough of uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick. But um, pretty decent field, you know, all things considered for the Byron Nelson. We don't normally see um, a field like this for this event, particularly. Uh, certainly didn't last year. But Scotty Scheffler obviously returns uh, and goes straight in as a favourite at ten nine. Uh, Justin Thomas ten six. Dustin Johnson ten two. And Jordan Spieth at ten one. Uh, round out the the 10k plus guys i'm all in on jordan spieth this week every every which way i've just posted my first round leader article he's in that i posted my bets he's in that um i will be playing him in this even though he's gonna be popular like his record just after wins matt is just incredible and, and i see no reason why that would let up now he's not gonna be that popular he is uh you know if you're looking at the ownership above 10k you're looking at JT is going to be first. Scotty's going to be second, and he'll be he'll be third, and DJ will be fourth. But I'm only seeing, you know, I think I think we'll probably come in around between 15 to 17 percent, which really isn't that bad for somebody in that 10k range. And um, yeah, I, I think he's. I thought he was being a bit overlooked this week from everything that I've seen. Um, I on I, I, when I first looked at the odds boards, I thought he was going to be 12 to one, and I could just keep scrolling by and say, yeah, he has a shot in Texas, but I'm not betting the 12 to one. I got a 22 and I bet it as well. So me and you had a, a same initial thought. And, you know, I think you're going to have better numbers um, on this than me because you're better at that stuff than I am. But he's the type of guy when he gets hot, he stays hot. And when he wins, like I, I don't usually like betting a guy to win in consecutive starts. But with him, it's almost um, more of a positive than a detriment because I think that's the type of guy he is. Yeah, well, that, I'll, I'll give you the numbers I've kind of written down. They're, they're definitely not better than, than how you'd say it. But there's a bit of, jump, <laughs> bit of jumbled there, but they're there. So last year, he finished third at the Masters after winning at Pebble. Um, in 2017, he won the Open Championship at the start after winning the Travelers. Um, he was 22nd at Riviera, which is not a great course for him, after winning Pebble in 2017 as well. 2016, he won the Tournament of Champions and finished fifth in Abu Dhabi and second in Singapore. And then he won the Dean and DeLuca and finished 57th at the Memorial. wasn't great. But then he won the Australian Open and finished 6th at the Hero. 2015, he won the Valspar and then finished 2nd at the Valero. And then he won the US Open and John Deere back-to-back and then finished 4th at the Open. And then he won the Tour Championship and finished 7th at the WGC HSBC. 2014, won the Australian Open, then won the Hero. And then, you know, 2013, when he won his first event at John Deere, he went straight over and finished 44th at the Open. So he just keeps up that form, like you said. Um just just exceptional right you know there's a couple of times there where he's gone back to back victories a couple of times where they've been you know majors and first in tees green at the heritage and the valero i know you know at the valero it was kind of all on one day maybe but second and tenth in approach those weeks he was ninth here last year um after finishing third at the masters he co-led after round one with um jj spawn shooting a 63 on thursday and then shot a 66 on saturday as well so i guess maybe people's minds would be that they want a longer hitter that's going to just set up more opportunities, right? But I don't think it matters. He's 14th in par 5 scoring, and he's just playing really well so far. Yeah, you know, the big thing for me was it's not like at Heritage he was just, he gained a million strokes putting. He really didn't. He uh, didn't even putt that well, and he hasn't been putting that well. He gained 13.3 strokes from tee to green, and he led the field by three strokes 
from tee to green. So he's doing it all, and the way he's getting it done is more impressive almost than the fact that he actually won the event. And I think now he goes to a place where, you know, he's go- he's going to be very comfortable. I think this tournament, you know, there's been a lot made of JT and him playing Southern Hills yesterday I, that I've seen, but this is going to mean something to him uh, more so than it will for JT and these other guys. And I think, uh, you know, three of his past four starts in Texas have been a top 10 finish. So I just think he's, you know, as as safe as it gets for somebody who's going to contend this week. Yeah, I mean, like, I did it from a sort of first-round leader article basis, but 35 times in his career he's been within two of the first-round lead. Nine of those times have come in Texas, and three wow. of his 14 first-round leads have come in Texas as well, including this tournament last year and Colonial the two weeks after. So just that's another, you know, cementing that he does just keep his form up. And like you say, like, the fact that... It, it wasn't putting driven, which is what the knock has been on him throughout his career. He has these kind of strokes game, magic beans or whatever. You know, he hasn't been doing that. He's been hitting the ball really, really well, which he struggled with for a decent amount of time. Um, maybe his struggles were overplayed a little bit based on, he had a few instances. He had, you know, a child on the way. He wasn't well at the start of the year. Like, maybe this is this is it. He's got all this kind of form to go into the PGA as he tries to complete the uh, Grand Slam as well. I just, yeah, I love the thing about Jordan Smith, which is, by the way, disclaimer is probably not a good thing because every time I get this kind of hooked on Jordan's beat, it doesn't work out for me very well. But uh, yeah, I like him. The, the, the last time I was all in on Spieth was at that at Colonial when he had a, that lead going into Sunday and he lost to Kokrak. And I, I was very confident going into Sunday, probably the most confident I've ever been going into an outright Sunday. But um, so, I, And I feel the same way this week. So I think he'll be in the mix. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think it's uh, any reason to ignore it. The other one I wanted to kind of talk about, I mean, Scheffler and Justin Thomas, I think, kind of write themselves. People are going to pick them based on their current form, their ball streaking, right? You know, um, Scheffler's won in, you know, Texas, winning the match play, finished second there as well, and finished second at Houston. So although actually his entire body of work in Texas isn't that good, those three events obviously stand out. Um, But Dustin Johnson, I think he's probably being a little bit overlooked as well because... He's almost priced as if he can't win at 22 to 1. Like, that's why I couldn't work out how he and Spieth were both 22 to 1. And I know it's actually even more alarming that Spieth is 22 to 1 because Dustin hasn't won since you know uh, the Saudi last year. But his Byron Nelson record is, is really, really good. I mean, I know it's obviously at different golf courses, but if anything, you'd expect this course to be the better one for him. Um, I think he's played the event eight times. And he has made the cut every single time. He's finished inside the top eight four times, 12th, 13th, and 20th, which is one bad start in there where he finished 63rd. And he was fourth after day one as well. And that was way back in 2008. So before Dustin Johnson was Dustin Johnson, right? So I actually think, you know, you take the biggest weakness out of his hands at the moment, which is driver. And, you know, he does have to hit them, but there's no punishment, you know, here at this Soja grass. And uh, wide open fairways, I think Dustin's a pretty smart play. He's definitely a smart play in terms of ownership and leverage. My concerns with him are just got married a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, he's kind of been, who knows what he's been focused on. He definitely hasn't been playing much golf. This whole year he hasn't really played too much golf. Um, and he's kind of getting to that stage of his career, you know, where we saw, I don't think he's quite there yet, but guys like Adam Scott, when they get to their upper end of their 30s and they're picking and choosing what they're doing and they're focused on winning the things that matter. And, um you know, I don't want to go too far down the narrative street, but I, I do think this, compared to the other guys in this range, is more of a tune-up for him because he wants to go and win the PGA next week. Um, but 
he obviously can can go and win. You know, it reminds me of when he played at the Houston Open. He almost won that when Ortiz beat him and Hideki yeah. the week before the November Masters. So it, it doesn't matter what his motivations are. If he goes and starts playing well and he gets in the mix, he's going to want to win. So I do think it's a good leverage spot. I do want to talk about JT real quick because I'm seeing a lot of things today about everyone saying how this is a perfect JT course. And I think, you know, and people are saying, you know, single bullet JT, this is the week. He really wants to win. I don't see it like, like that. And um, I was surprised to see all the JT love because for me, yes, obviously you can win. One of the best players in the world, you can go and win if he wants. But there's nothing about this fit in this place at this time that make him more, you know, appealing this week than any other week. I guess it's just because he is so good at these low scoring events, right? But I just don't see. I'm a little bit like you. Like I, I've kind of had the couple of times I was all in him at the Masters, which cost me dearly because I've sort of pivoted off Scotty Scheffler for him. Um, never done anything in Texas of note that I can remember. Um, I'm just looking at the kind of last 15 weeks of form in, in Texas, or last 15 events in, in Texas, and he's finished 24th, 10th, 42nd, 40th, 35th. So. No reason to think that he's going to be, you know, great in Texas. Um, again, another one that's probably looking towards next week. You know, a, a golf course. I, I think with JT, like as much as he is good in these birdie fests, he's suited to the tougher test, right? His superior ball striking is going to come to the fore. Um, can he get off to a hot start? Yes. I think if he does get off to a hot start, is he then starting to cheering things up ahead of next week? That's always a bit of the worry with any of these guys at the top. Um, but I don't think that's the same, and that's why I like Jordan Spieth so much. Is like this tournament means a lot to him. Like it was the first one he ever played the PGA Tour. Again, I know that's narrative based, but he loves just winning at home or playing at home. Um, so him and Scheffler probably have that kind of motivation between them. Um, Scheffler, I'd be a bit concerned that he just, you know, he's ready just to tune up for the, the majors. But yeah, I, I think that covers it pretty well. Nine um, K range. I, I know we're going to have some a little bit of disagreement in here. Um, I guess we'll start with Hideki at 9900. It's the obvious place to start. I don't know what to make of him, really. Like, I thought he was, you know, I, I said at the start of the Masters that he was a big price because everyone just kind of thought he was too injured to play, right? And then even when he was level par after the first day, he went out to kind of like 75, 80 to 1, I think it was, whatever I got on the exchange over here. And I just thought that that's nuts. Like he was only five behind. It was it was a great time for him to go and score. He then shot a birdie. I think it was bogey three sixty nine, and played poorly on the Saturday and shot himself out of it. But what do we expect of Hideki this week? I mean, we we, we still don't really get to hear too much about the injury problems that he's had. Um, that would be my concern. I just I just don't know where he is with his fitness right now. Yeah, I mean, for me, if you look at what he's done in twenty twenty two. It's been fantastic. I mean, yeah. he's been excellent. He's been excellent. It's been he's finished in the top forty in every event. He's finished in the top fifteen in four or five events of, of his eight or nine starts, and he's just been really good. He's been putting it well. He's gaining strokes putting in his last five events. He's averaging one point seven plus. Um, so I think he's playing great. You, you you do have to question the health thing, but the fourteenth of the Masters to me kind of quells that. And yeah. then the fact that why would he be coming here if he was hurt i said that about casey last week so that didn't make sense but, yeah i'll say the same <laughs> things don't worry about it but yeah. uh, but but i think you know you, if if he's healthy he's a great fit here and i just like i said about dj he contended that that yeah if you're second at houston yeah so i think i, I like Hideki a lot i'm probably gonna play him 
And I think as well, like, I don't think there's there's any real reason in terms of course, you know, composition or whatever. But uh, KH Lee's career best finish came at you know the Phoenix before winning here, and Hideki's a you know two-time winner at Phoenix. So if there's anything in that at all, any sort of crossover, maybe it's just the level of scoring. I don't know, but if that holds any sort of truth, then I think that's an interesting one. I probably won't play him just because I don't think how I'm going to structure my lineups is going to allow me to, unless I started with him for an ownership reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if you wanted a pivot, I mean, Zalasaurus is going to be the most popular on the slate, I would guess. Um, Xander Schauffele, I, I don't really need to say any more about Xander Schauffele. Where we disagree is Sam Burns, I think. Like, I think Sam Burns is a really good play this week. Yeah, you said Zalatoris is going to be popular. Burns is going to be a very close second. Yeah. Um, it's going to be those two guys are going to be the most popular. Is that, is that the Burns, only reason you don't like him, just because of his ownership? No, I just... he. If you look at what he's been doing lately, his putter's really been saving him. Yeah. Uh, and he hasn't been kind of that... Hasn't had as much... Besides Valspar when he won, but, you know, which he was great. But he, a lot of his damage has been done on Bermuda greens, right? His He... Go, he at, API gains six. Players gains 4.4. Valspar gains 5.2. Look at the other events at Honor and Bermuda. He's not putting it well. Missed a cut at the Masters. Missed a cut at Genesis. Missed a, missed a cut in Phoenix. Missed a cut at Farmers. And it's just like he's he's definitely a Bermuda guy. There's no doubt about that. And he's capable of doing it elsewhere. He obviously was second here last year, so he, he knows how to play the scores. But if I'm going to... If he's going to be incredibly popular, I would just rather play Zalatoris. Yeah, from a... From a you know pure ownership perspective, I just don't need to go to him right. There's just there's good enough people elsewhere. If if they're very very close, I'd rather pick Zalatoris just because I think there's um, you know just a solid case we made for him rather than hoping that Burns does what he does. My my thing for Burns is kind of like I was hoping he wasn't going to be that popular because I thought that people would try and play elsewhere hoping that they could kind of get some leverage and, and that would kind of even it out but he just plays so well in these spots like he's obviously won back to back at Valspar um, he'd finished second or third at the Sanderson before winning that you know he shot 62 here last year to finish second he just followed that back up he's finished seventh back to back at the Houston Open like he just he does just repeat form and I just think that he will have a lot of confidence going in um, I can't remember and I was having this discussion yesterday and I probably should have looked it up in between why did he withdraw from the PGA Championship last year? Was it COVID or was it an injury? I don't remember. I don't so, remember. So either way, like in, in my head, I'm like, he's won the Valspar. He's come back on his very next start, finished second. And he was either already feeling ill with COVID or had a slight injury before going into that PGA Championship that made him withdraw from that. So I actually think what he did there then, um, you know, just looks even more impressive. So to me, just, just those kind of reasons, I think he has been good. I do get your concerns about the putting and another guy, I guess that's probably going to be looking I mean, he's very popular as a bet next week um, at the, at the PGA championship anti-post. So um, I guess there'll be a lot of, you know, things there. I I don't know now, but I'm all set on that one. I'll tell you that <laughs> he's, he's never even uh, sniffed contention or even a top 20 in the major. No. And I think, I think it was damaging what happened to him at the masters. Like he would have felt really good going into there and, and just didn't, I don't know that's kind of, it's the only neat test, right. But, um, you know, first sign of really going into a major as one of the better players and didn't do anything. I don't necessarily think that's a great sign. So, um, we shall see. I mean, he, he's finished runner up in a, in a WGC and could have easily won it. So 
you know, I don't think there's necessarily a reason why he can't play well in the majors. It might just take him some time. But, um, yeah, I, I have no reason to jump to him at this stage. Then I don't really have an awful lot to say. I don't have many takes on anyone else. But Zalatoris writes himself, you know, probably the most consistent ball striker on tour. Like, he, he, very obvious. My one concern would maybe be, can he make enough putts to win a birdie fest? I'd, if I'm talking about just betting, I'd rather bet him next week. Even even at thirty three to one, because I just think it's actually a better test for him than this, um, and I think the Texas narrative will just get weighed in a bit more than it really needs to. Did you have any takes on kind of Neiman, Kepka, and Fleetwood? I, I like Neiman a lot. Um, this, I like him on bent grass the most, and I think he's a great fit for this course. You know, gets it out there. Um, I think you know I was kind of debating between him and Hideki with the other guy I would play. I'll probably play Zalatoris because I just think. You know, he could finish in fourth so easily this week. Yeah. And, you know, he doesn't have to win, and I'd be fine with that because I already have the winner at, at 10-1. And, um, and then he could I, – I have a vision in my head of Spieth and Zalatoris down the stretch this week. I got a, I got a feeling about it. So I, I, um, I think they're the two most motivated people in the field. I think yeah, Spieth yeah. loves backing up, you know, victories. And that's a ridiculous thing to say. Everyone wants to win, right? But he loves this tournament. He loves playing at home. And Zalatoris needs a win. Like, there's no two ways about it. He needs to capitalise on this incredible form. And he's played this course plenty of times in the past. I, I just have slight reservations on whether he can make enough putts. But if putting has been better, um, and if he's just going to have a load of 10, 12 footers, that's absolutely fine. It's just when he gets to the three for Eagles that you might be a bit concerned. Right. Nice, yeah. nice so, problem to have. For me, I'm, I'm, de- I'm probably going to play him, you know, just because I feel safe about it. But then I would go um, Hideki Neiman. I'd rank them one, two, three that way. I keep falling in this kind of Brooks Kepka trap. And yeah. it keeps happening. And I keep looking like I'm looking at location form now in terms of just playing in Texas. And he's obviously right up there. And I keep thinking, oh, you know, it's Brooks at a regular event. And he's got, what, one, two, three, four top five finishes in Texas. Obviously, two of those being, um, or one of those being the match play. He's just probably not playing well enough, right? He's just not doing enough to kind of be confident. I guess he's a good pivot player, if, if nothing else. But, you know, in terms of ownership, if you wanted to just go with that, if you wanted to dif- if that's how you want to differentiate your lineups, then Brooks can do it at any time. I just worry that he's not playing well enough to fulfill that. Yeah, and we talked about the Phoenix comp, and he was playing just as poorly then, and he still yeah. finished third in Phoenix. Um, gained six strokes putting that week. Uh, but he's just so inconsistent. Definitely can't trust him, but in terms of a pivot, I mean, everyone's playing Neiman, Zalatoris, Burns, um, beneath that, Vegas and Gooch. So it's like he's a sweet spot where nobody is playing him and nobody's going to play him, and I think it's good leverage. Um, I just still don't see him winning the Byron Nelson Classic, and for me to play him i think i would want to believe he, he he could win and i don't really believe that i'd rather him play poorly this week and get a 45 next week yeah that's true now taylor gooch right is statistically isn't standing out at the moment but when i just look at what he's done throughout his career and throughout this season like every time it comes to a birdie fest he's just he's perfectly suited 13th birdie or better on tour this season fourth in par five scoring average he's got two top four um, finishes at Houston 
14th at the Masters was pretty impressive, obviously. And then when he makes the weekend, like, as long as he gets through that weekend, he's finishing inside the top 25, top 26, top 27, like, every time. Like, it maybe isn't enough to pay off. But I just think, and this is definitely narrative-based, him and Homer just keep exchanging kind of, like, um, back-patting messages between them. And... You know, he keeps saying, I think Homer kept saying that people keep sleeping on Taylor Gooch and Taylor Gooch said, oh, I can't wait for you to win this week and all this sort of stuff. So I guess that drives them a, a bit more than even maybe JT and Spieth. That always gets played into. So I kind of like that about Gooch. He's one of those ones where, like, I'm going against my gut because statistically he hasn't stood out recently. Now, I can't, I don't know what he did from a, an approach point of view at the Masters. I guess it was probably pretty good to finish where he did. Um, so he would be my favourite play, despite the ownership in this, you know, part but I, I imagine you probably want to let jason cochran yeah for me i mean you talked about kind of texas form and you can get a guy at half the ownership more than half maybe one third the ownership and three hundred dollars cheaper and jason cochran who has won his last two starts in texas he's won in his last two starts and every time he plays in texas he seems to have a top 10 or a top five he's just been absolutely automatic um he's putting really well this year which is kind of what makes him come and go if he's putting well he, he tends to pop up if he's not he he doesn't and was 14th at the masters um 35th at heritage which is a place where i don't really think suits him at all and he still managed to finish in in 35th so i think he's playing well um and this is a man like that time when i was on speed at colonial and i was like should have just took Kokrak too because he was an obvious play and i ignored it should have had both of them and i feel my only concern is this week uh, am i chasing something that's already happened by playing him or is he just going to go back and do it again? It seems unlikely, but who knows? So I think when you sort of you sort of mentioned it to me over the weekend, didn't you, before we even got to this part, and you were talking about from a betting perspective, and I think I looked at his odds and thought, you know, that's actually pretty impressive and, and quite a nice price. And then I actually think he's better for this. I think, strangely, he's better for this format, right? Look at his last five uh, straight play events in Texas. 30, starting from oldest to newest, 32nd, 7th, 3rd, 1st, 1st. You know, the two times he's finished outside the top, you know, top 10 in his last three starts, four starts, have been the match play. So he's just maybe not a great match play player. That's absolutely fine. Um, yeah, pretty incredible. 14th and 35th, his last two starts. Played well at, you know, Augusta. Didn't break 70, which is maybe a little bit of a, a knock on him. But because it's a course that people expect him to do well at. But I don't know if he's quite going deep enough at the moment is my concern like it feels like it's been a while since he had a really impressive low round i mean you go back to sony where he shot a 64 on the opening day and then he hasn't broken 67 since would be my only concern yeah if you look at kind of the even in texas when he's won i want to say those events didn't really get all that low scoring mm. and that would be my concern is that um you know charles Schwab he won at 14 under Sure, 65-64 um, so, over the weekend there, didn't he? But slightly different golf course, I guess, is is that it was a nice technical golf course that we used to co-crep before well at. Yeah, right. So, But but at 8,300, I think he's just a guy who seems like very easily can finish in the top 20, which is fine. But he also has that potential winning spike where if he's just going to do it again, then that's, that's not completely out of the question. So um, so I think it's a great play at 80. I, I was shocked people weren't talking about him because I was – really considering going all in on him and then I was looking around for other people talking about him just to get a different perspective and just no one's talking about him. So it's Adam Hadwin and Aaron Wise right in this range that people seem to be pretty sweet on and 
know, I've made my feelings clear about Aaron Wise this season. I, you know, I'm very high on him, and um, I can certainly see why people like Adam Hadwin. But again, I think I think they might fall into that category of trying to chase something that not hasn't already happened, but they might have missed the boat. Like they've both had really good form recently, um, and and they might not just be able to keep it up. Like Adam Hadwin is playing a lot better than his general baseline. Um, last two starts in Turks are fourth and eighth. You know, he finished fourth at the Valera and eighth at the uh, Charles Schwab the last time he played there. So that that's, you know, obvious pluses there. Aaron Wise hasn't got that kind of same form in Texas. So he did finish 11th at the Houston Open and was sixth at the, the sort of 54 hole stage. But yeah, I, I don't feel the need to go all in on Aaron Wise. I, I like him at, a sh- you know, a shorter golf course, which, you know, okay, it can be a bit of a birdie fest, but I don't necessarily like him for this one. Um, and Adam Hadwin, I, I just wonder again whether it's the, the right golf course for him. I, I, I said yesterday on, on the betting show, I want to proceed with caution in terms of having to go all in on, on long hitters as opposed to short hitters. I don't want a pigeonhole in any golf course anymore. I just don't think it's worth it. I think you just take the guys that are playing well anyway. But um, those two definitely feel on the wrong side of what could go well here. Yeah, especially you say any golf course, but I'd say even in particular this golf course, just because... I think it doesn't matter. Either either skill set can can be as long fine, as yeah. you, as long as you make birdies, right? It doesn't really matter yeah. how you do it. Uh, yeah, and and Hadwin was actually first in my stat model this week, and I'm sure he's up there for a lot of people, and that's driving some of his popularity. But I'm not going to be playing him. Um, I think if anytime you can pivot off of a popular Adam Hadwin or even Wise, I'm I'm fine with that. I don't see the need to embrace that chalk in here. I'd rather embrace it elsewhere if I'm going to embrace it somewhere. And um, Again, I'd rather play Kokrak. Champ is coming in pretty low on. I, I don't mind him. Um, and let's see, Vegas is surprising. They're going to be around 20%. Yeah, and, and I've put him in for my first round leader article, and, and there's very good reasons for that. But I do, I think it was his best performance with his irons for a long, long time. Led the field last week, but he was also terrible off the tee. And I, and I think that's based on the surgery he just had on his arm. I think either... You know, it's not strong enough for him to, to get it away off the tee like he normally would, or he doesn't trust it and isn't committing to his tee ball. So um, I would have concerns over a four-round period for Jonathan Vegas, although he does play very well in Texas, especially uh, in the opening round, which is why I trust him to do it for the first-round leader. But, yeah, I'd, beyond that, I don't necessarily feel like he can win. Um, he doesn't win at the best of times, so I don't, <laughs> I don't, don't want to bet him when he's got slight concerns. Cameron Champ was interesting because I think if Cameron Champ is back, then this is a great spot, right? You know, there's been some sort of comparisons to kind of the 3M Open. Um, so that's obviously going to play in his favour. But I don't really, I never know what to do with Cameron Champ. You, you know, you, you did say to me before that he kind of signposts his form and he's got back-to-back top 10s. He's won the 3M Open. Um, you know, he does well in these low-scoring things. He's got a top 15 in Texas before at, at Colonial, which, this you know, this would kind of suit him more than that. I do quite like him. I think he's a good player at 8,000. I like him a lot. Um, definitely would play him over those other two guys, Wise and uh, and had, but no doubt about it. He's going to be lower owned than I expected, um, and he's in great form, 10th and 6th in two straight events, which is, you know, something you don't see all that much for him. Um, and, you know, when he won, it was coming off in 11th place the last time when he won. Um, Charles Schwab, after he finished the tw- uh, 14th at Colonial in 2020 followed it up with a 12th at the rocket mortgage so it seems like he he strings good starts together and again in 2020 he was 14th at tournament champions and 21st at the amex and 16th at the farmers 
Um, so he, he does tend to string them together. And this is a course that you would definitely think makes a lot of sense. The only thing for me is his approach game is just so bad. Mm. And if you look at last year, the top of the leaderboard, and while this is usually the case, it's not always the case, but Cage Lee gained 8.3 on approach. Um, you know, all, everyone in the top 10 gained more than five strokes on approach. And you usually see guys get in that top 10, a couple of them at least, in a different way, whether it's putting or off the tee. It's all approach last last year here, and that's all we have to go on. He's lost strokes on approach in nine of his last 11 events, and and then in Mexico, that's kind of held him back too. He just couldn't, couldn't put anything close. Naturally, on this show, we talk a lot about peak performance and having a whole package when it comes to winning golf tournaments. But you know who else focused on these two areas as well? Manscaped. Manscaped took their lawnmower 4.0 product and put it together with all the necessary components to make the Performance Package 4.0. Including this package is the lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker, which takes care of nose and ear hair, the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, which are essential for your balls, and two free gifts, including a premium wash bag and a pair of anti-chafing boxes. Now this set is normally $218, but is $130 for a limited time only, and with our 20% code LFW20, that will now be brought down even further to $104. In the UK, this will be £96 instead of £120, and again, the Performance Package 4.0 helps you and these elite golfers, if they so wish, stay in peak shape below the waist. That is code LFW20 for 20% off site-wide and free worldwide shipping on manscaped.com. Is it, in terms of his figures, is it because he just puts himself in such desirable positions that even if he hits one to 15 feet, it sucks? Like, for him Could statistically? Could be that. Like, I think it's a little bit of that. But it also doesn't take away from the fact that he's clearly not hitting it close enough. Like, that means that he should be hitting it closer from where he is, right? Like, just, you know, despite the fact I think he's probably being heavily penalised as opposed to maybe what he should be it also does point out, it's a bit like Roy McIlroy, right? Like Roy McIlroy hits it pretty close, but he hits it to like 20 feet when he's got a wedge in his hand as opposed to 20 feet when he's got a five iron in his hand. Like I think it's the same kind of problem. It's just that he's a bit more consistent, obviously, than Champ. Yeah, and it's worse for Champ because he'll, he'll completely miss the green by like 20 yards <laughs> yeah. somehow. Just... So I, I don't trust him all that much, but at 8,000, I think it's a really... You know, there's not many guys at 8,000 that I think can win the tournament. He is a guy who can. Well, he, you're talking about trying to find, you know, ways to differentiate when you're starting with, you know, when you've got Zalatoris in your lineup. You can have Spieth, Zalatoris, Cameron Champ, um, and give yourself 7,500 for the next three spots, which I think is a really good spot to be in because um, I do yep. quite like this kind of mid-7K range. So um, anyone else you wanted to kind of touch on that we didn't touch on in the 8K range? No. So let's go into the 7K range. Obviously, just alluded to it there. Um, I don't have a ton of interest at the top of the 7K range. I, don't, I you know, from kind of 7.9 down to, I guess, Brian Harmon is 7.6. I have maybe two guys that I really want to focus on. But I'll, I'll let you kind of start because I feel like you've got some people you want to mention. There's one guy I absolutely love. And I will say Brian Harmon just withdrew. Yeah. Is it Maverick McNeely? No, no, no. I don't play McNeely. Okay. It's it's Mark Leishman. Interesting. I absolutely love Mark Leishman. Uh, he was my first bet of the week. I went into this on Monday before I saw the speed number, thinking that if I could just bet Mark Leishman, that'd be enough for me because I think he has a great chance to win. And there's a couple of reasons why. Um, 
I talk about the miscut discount a lot, and we're getting a good miscut discount on him. And it doesn't apply to all missed cuts, just some. Um, and the reason why it applies for him is because he was cruising. He was three under par, kind of in the mix on Friday. And then he blades that chip, almost kills Corey Connors. <laughs> and he triple bogeys that hole. And he kind of after that, he was kind of just done. He, didn't, he wasn't really bad for that. He gained 3.1 strokes on approach in two rounds. So he was hitting it very well. And I don't think that was a great course fit for him. I said this last week, even though he had some success back when they played it in 2017. But I don't think it was a good fit for him because he does tend to spray it once in a while. And if he does that here, he'll be okay. Yeah. And he hits long irons well. Um, he's, t- his history in Texas is unbelievable. He was a runner-up at this event when, when Wise won it back in 2018. Obviously, different course, Turnley Forest. Um, he was 21st here last season. Back in 2008, he played on a nationwide tour event um, in Midland, Texas and won it by 11 strokes. Hmm. So he's one of the best players in Texas. If you look at stroke gain, just in Texas, he's, he's one of the best. And you think of him kind of in some ways as a grinder, but three of his six PGA Tour wins have come at 20 under or better. And also, he was leading that huge snowpin last year, wasn't he? He should have, you know, and was really in the mix for a, a pretty long time there as well. Should have done better. I don't, I don't think you can doubt that. That's my slight concern with Mark Leishman, is every time I think he's going to play well this year, he tails off. Um, and, and I really but, liked him last week. But no one thinks he's going to play well this week. It's, it's, it's like one of those sneaky spots, I think. And, and 7,800, you talk about a guy who can win at 7,800. He carries a lot of win equity. This guy wins. And when he gets in the mix, I usually trust him to convert. Yeah, I, th- I think as long as he can get himself there. Like, it's a bit like last week. Like, he was in prime position, didn't. And I think that's been a little bit of him all season long. And that, that concerns me slightly. Uh, that would be why I wouldn't bet him. I mean, obviously, I know you just said you did bet him. I think, I think the value is always good on Mark Leishman. But I think, I think he's seventy just, to one. Yeah, I always think that. I don't remember a time where I've ever gone, oh, Mark Leishman looks short. Maybe in the Masters, sometimes he looks a little bit short odds in the Masters, because I actually think he's got a better chance at the Open Championship than he has the Masters, right? Um, I think some people just profile him differently for the majors, but um, yeah, I, you know, I don't have any disagreements with Mark Leishman other than the fact that I think he's probably just not quite where he should be. Mm-hmm. Don't know, yeah. But uh, but then he never he's not one that you can really guess what he's going to do week to week. Like I think I think he's not the type of person like Cameron Chamberlain needs to play well. He can just turn up. So um, not too concerned about Mark Leishman. Lanto Griffin is someone that I have not bet because the price wasn't big enough. I'm a little bit concerned here because the ownership is a little bit higher than I want it to be. But. I see very good reasons as to why Lanto Griffin could play well here. Um, and I think, I don't, last time I thought Lanto Griffin was safe, he let me down. Um, but I do think Lanto Griffin is a, is a solid option at this kind of price. Yeah, one in Houston obviously makes some sense. Um, he's in good form. Valero, he was 53rd. I think it's probably the week that a lot of people said they really liked him, hmm. and he, he wasn't that good. Um, 64th at Houston his last time. So his last couple of starts in Texas that really haven't been great. Um, and But other than that, you know, everything else kind of points to him. I'll probably be passing just because I don't really feel like playing a popular Lanto Griffin. And the couple times I've played him, like you, they kind of burned me. So um, I'll, I'll be off of him, but I completely see the appeal. The, the, the form is frightening since that win in, in Texas. Like, he doesn't seem to be a guy that won in Texas because he loves Texas. Like Apart from that win, he has been shit. Like, like mm-hmm. you just said, like he's not finished better than 34th uh, in the state of Texas since winning. So that that is a slight concern, one that I didn't really 
flag up to myself until we were looking now. Um, but yeah, I, th I thought he was worth mentioning because I think people will play him. Mito Pereira was another one that I do think, you know, I think everyone wanted to be on him last week and he pulled out. And I don't know why he pulled out. Back. Um, right. So if there's concerns about that, that's obviously worrying. But I do think this is a good golf course for him. I do think he's the type of person that can make birdies in bunches. Finished 13th uh, at the Valero. Um, you know, his last start in Texas. And he was 29th at the Houston Open as well. And, he, you know, I just think he's a guy that can take advantage of these kind of birdie fest golf courses. 100% he is. Um, he goes low, you know, on these Corn Ferry Tour events when he was winning a couple of years ago. Um, all through the Florida swing, everyone was trying to jam him in, playing him and betting him. And I kept saying he's never done anything on Bermuda before. Everything he does is bent. In Chile, the courses all have bent grass greens. Um, you know, he's. T I think Neiman's talked about that before. They're very comfortable on bent grass. And um, he... All three of his wins on the Corn Ferry Tour were bent grass. So I think there's a great spot for him in terms of putting. Um, and I think, you know, Birdie Fest, another good spot for him. I'll, it all lines up. I'm probably not going to play him. Um, I'm concerned with the back. He pulled out of the team event, and I know that meant a lot to him playing with Neiman that week. He pulled out with the back issue, and then he withdraws with a, with the back issue again. And back is a tricky one. Hmm. Um, that, that's one of those things you don't really recover from and they flare up on you as we saw with Paul Casey he was 26th at Heritage which was good um, but you know I just is he in the yeah, field next week I'm not sure if he was in the field next week I think that would make more sense as to why he's here in the hope that he can kind of tune up I guess that's kind of what Paul Casey was thinking I, I need to get one event in before I go and is maybe forcing something that isn't let me just check that because I think that would be that if that was why he was here, then I would I would have proceed with caution. If he's here because he thinks he yeah, so he's in the tournament next week, so I think maybe he's trying to force it a little bit. Um, so that could be a little bit of concern. That that would be one thing I'd be worried about. How many times have we seen a guy withdraw from a tournament due to injury and then win right afterwards? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen it just, very often. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, I I can remember, but I, it happening, but I can't remember who it was, and I just remember yeah. thinking that's the worst bit of luck, but uh. You always hear this narrative of beware the injured golfer and everyone wants to kind of dive in, but it doesn't, it doesn't play out. But they're playing out. him anyway. So. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't want to be on the side of, of being disappointed when he... Because he might not even pull out. I think he might just try and go. like Not like Paul Casey, where he can afford to just kind of miss weeks. Uh, Mito probably needs to make as many starts as he can. So, um, yeah, I'd be a little bit concerned. Sometimes that's worth the risk because you get him in a low ownership like Casey. I was thinking about to the last hour, I was thinking about just playing him anyway. I ended up not because the press conference was so bad, but it's not like you're getting an ownership discount on Mito either this week, so there's no point. No, no, I think that's pretty right. One person that is going to be high ownership, and, and if you want to go back to anyone in between, that's absolutely fine, but one person that is going to be high ownership but makes a ton of sense is Kurt Kitayama, right, at 7,400. What more can he do to show he's ready to win? Like, he has finished... Third at the Honda, second in Mexico to John Rahm, where he played very, very well. Fifteenth at the Wells Fargo. Um, first round leader, he's absolutely perfect. He's he's been within the two of the first round leads twenty times in his career. Had five first round leads since 2016. So it would mean he would finish uh, first round leader three of the last four events if he does it this week. But at 100 to one, I'm gonna try it because you know everything suggests that he can. And I just think that these guys coming into these Birdie Fest events, when they're in form, 
I don't think it really matters about course profile and things like that. I think that he's just a guy that's making birdies and bunches. We've seen that in recent uh, weeks. I guess maybe the argument you could make is that, you know, Honda and Wells Fargo were tougher events and, and even in Mexico there was some tougher rounds. But yeah, other than that, I think he's a pretty good play. Uh, his stats are absolutely ridiculous. Um, 4.2 on approach in Mexico, 8.4 on approach at Wells, which I, I couldn't believe, 8.4, one of the one of the top ones in the field. 10.3 um, T to green, just, just absolutely striping it. And uh, I agree, I like him as a play a lot. I was... I didn't think he was going to be popular. I guess, you know, he's just too obvious not to be. Um, but he's definitely going to be somewhat popular. But depending on how I construct at the top, I could definitely see myself going to him as a, you know, a fifth guy in. Yeah, I think he's I think he's one of the safer ones in this play. Um, then I'm coming to JJ Spawn. It, I just think that he's been third in this event in the past. He won his, his debut event in, you know, the Texas Open. I think he's been overlooked a little bit of how good of a golfer he is because of that massive slump that he had. But the first two seasons on tour, he was incredibly you know, consistent. Then he gets misdiagnosed with type 2 diabetes instead of type 1, so he loses all his weight, doesn't know why he's lost all his strength. And then you look back since he's kind of figured it out, and he's won this event. He finished second in the Corn Ferry event last year. Uh, he's just finished 23rd in his major uh, Masters debut. 18th for the Wells Fargo last year, seventh in the Bermuda Championship last year. Like he's been just been very consistent. This would be his the, there is fifth and sixth top 25 finishes his last two starts. Um, obviously, Mr. Cut the Heritage is a little bit of concern, but you know the guy shot 63 here last year to, to lead um, and finished third in that Byron Nelson. Again, it's a different golf course, different test, but. I like a lot of what Spawn's done. He opened with a 64 that week and closed with a 63 when he was further at Byron Nelson as well. When you reference the wise Leishman year, that was that year. So there's a lot to like about you know JJ Spawn. I think if I believe that he is someone that is being misrepresented, misrepresented because people think he's not consistent when I think he was before the illness... I like that. I like when you've had someone that's struggled because of injury. You've, they've struggled because of illness. They've struggled because of, of course, issues. Suddenly, they're showing it and come back. Cameron Champ had a wrist problem. Comes back, hitting the ball really well. Well, not hitting the ball well, but, you know, performing well. Um, yeah, so that, that's a long way of saying it. I think JJ Swan's an interesting player at 7-2. Yeah, I, I think you make a bunch of great points. I like it. Um, I don't love going back to guys who I think time has already come. I don't see him as a guy who's going to you know, be that great in succession after he, he kind of just won. Because there's a guy right above him who I thought was going to win on the day J.J. Spawn won, um, who I was all in on, and I loved him a lot. And, I, uh, you know, I, I, he had a great chance on Sunday, Dylan Fratelli. And I'm going back to Fratelli, who's going to be a quarter of the ownership as, as Spawn, most likely. He's looking at around 1% or 2%. I'm shocked by that. I'm absolutely shocked by that because – He's he should be perfect for this course. He just contended in Texas. He's a Texas Longhorn. He's talked about how much he likes playing in Texas. Um, was 19th at last year's Houston Open. Uh, he's kind of a birdie maker guy you'd look for in a birdie fest. I I, I thought a little bit uh, TPC Deer Run is kind of a similar place where you can kind of do whatever you want off the tee, but you got to get to like 22, 23 under. He, that that's the event that he won. Um, he was 46th last week at Wells, but. He gained uh, 5.1 strokes tee to green. He lost four strokes putting, which I think should revert back to, you know, better this week because when he played in Texas, 
at, at the Valero, he gained 3.9 strokes. So I think he's comfortable putting here in, in Texas. I did bet him to win at 130 to 1. Um, and I'm, I'm just really high in Fratelli this week. I'm going to be playing a lot of them, so I'm not going to be able to get the other guys like Spawn. Similar person's Cameron Champ now, I would say. I would say mm-hmm. he's probably being punished a little bit in his approach numbers because he hits the ball so far. I think he's got that. He's. I think he's mentioned how important it is for him to get a win in Texas. Obviously, he's he went to college there and lives there still. Uh, you know, he's always posting about Austin. You know, soccer when he's there. So, um, yeah, I like it. I mean, I've liked. We how many times have we put Fratelli up on the show and he's not not really done it? But I think it's one of those ones where like any time I see him with a seven in front of it, it feels like. A decision needs to be made whereas when it's a sick there's a load of high upside so i don't know i think that's just one of those aesthetic things for me but he's a, but you know we put him up a lot but he's done well he's made seven straight cuts it's not yeah. like we're playing him at 8500 no, no, no. and, and and he um you know you'd think about that that approach thing we said about champ he's gained strokes on approach in seven of his past eight events so he's he's hitting it well he's hitting it well and he talked about he he had a, a putting style change and uh that's helped him a lot this year and he's gained strokes putting um in the majority of events this year. So I think his, he's putting it really well too. And I, I think he has a chance to win. Let's talk about someone I, I don't think you like. Uh, <laughs> I'm seeing to remember that being the case. Although I, I said this about Jason about someone the other day and he corrects me. Matthew Wolf. <laughs> um, I don't like him. I actually... I know I get everyone's uh, likes the he's you know putting a spotlight on mental health stuff and all that which is fine but incredibly important um, right like that, that is that is true like yeah that you can't right. avoid that right but I don't want that noise I just want to know whether Matthew Wolf is like gonna win or not does he feel that he's capable of winning and everyone's kind of referenced that into of him saying last week that I've I've just freed myself up and I'm ready to go again he said that at the start of the year. Like when he came I, back, and that—that's what concerns me. Is it is if he's? I hate thinking about the fact that people struggle so much, right? I, I don't want to know that he, you know, I don't want to hear that he's struggling so much. That's not not great. I, you know, he's 22, three years of age. You don't want to, you don't want people to. I don't. I didn't worry about life at 22, 23 years of age, and I wasn't a millionaire. So, you know, I I, I feel sorry for him. My interest peaks because he was 11th at Houston earlier in the year. I know he was playing better, and that was when he looked like he was going to win. He then finishes 25th last week, gained strokes on approach. Uh, now comes to a golf course which apparently is, you know, comparable to the 3M Open. Well, we know that he can play that one. Um, you know, he's won there. It, if that's the case, the Shriners was a good, you know, shootout golf course that he's finished second at twice. I don't know. I, I, I think he's a good pivot play because the ownership's not big. I thought he was going to be a lot higher under seven two. Yeah, I actually bet him to win, and I I wrote him up this week. And um, you know, my last line that I wrote was, um, "I feel unclear. horrible." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's just unclear whether he's actually back or that was an outlier last week. But at one hundred and thirty to one, it's worth you know just to just to set up a flyer and see if he actually is, because I think it's completely worth it in terms of. DraftKings, I'm probably not going to play him. I don't trust him at all. Um, I think it most likely was an outlier last week, but at triple-digit odds, I like just a win, uh, just a win bet only and just to, just in case. But DraftKings, I'm probably out. So it's interesting because I didn't expect him, to, when he shot that at 65, I just didn't expect him to hang around. Like, really tough golf course. Um, we know he gets kind of wayward anyway. Like, I was really 
kind of just not expecting to hang around. And he did, like, he, you know, okay, he didn't replicate anything that he did on the opening day. I think the best round was his 70 on Saturday, but that 70 on a Saturday was a really good round. Um, mm. And he gained strokes in approach on Sunday. He was 13th. He gained stroke on the Thursday. He was 19th. Even on Saturday, he lost, but he was 38th in the field, you know, 38th on the day. Bad on on Friday, but I think, you know, most people had bad, you know, iron rounds at some point during the week other than the guys that finished at the top. So I really don't know. Like, I can see why he's a better bet than he is a DraftKings player, but I just think that, like, I can slot him in. Do you want to play the really dangerous lineup where you've got Spieth, Zalatoris, Champ, Wolf? Because that yeah. that lets you have you've got two rock solid people that I pretty I'm pretty sure are going to finish inside the top ten at worst. That's how I feel about both of them at the moment. Uh, then you've got guys that can just win out of nowhere. Like I could absolutely see Matthew Wolf being in contention with Jordan Spieth. You referenced you know Zalatoris earlier. I think that can happen. Um, and then you just give yourself seven six seven seven for the next two spots. Like I you, agree. You, I think it's. Good, good idea. You don't have to go down to the 6K range, which, you know, coming on to the 6K range in a minute, I, I don't think it's the worst idea, but, you know, uh, I, I think that's... If you wanted to, if you if you like risk, that's probably a good way to do it, is, is to get those guys with a lot of high upside. Mm-hmm. Pat and Kazire is obviously... He likes Texas. I, I never know what to do with Pat. Every time I think Pat and Kazire is going to do well, he doesn't, so I'm just leaving him out on that basis. Um... Sahith Begala, I think, is very popular this week because everyone just sees an upside in him. Uh, in terms of betting, I, I haven't actually looked at numbers for um, ownership here um, at the 7,100. Um, any thoughts on Begala at all? Um, real quick, I'll say this about Kazai. I'm not playing him either. On my other show, um, we have a joke. We call him the Enigma. That's his nickname, <laughs> the Enigma, because it's just impossible to understand, so I've given up trying. Yeah. Um, uh, in terms of Tagala, he's, he's incredibly popular popular which i wasn't really expecting um and i don't think he's really been playing all that well he hasn't like it's not it's not based on anything other than pick, i know he finished 24 foot the mexico open but like it, i think this is one of those things and i think it's more a betting thing but it seems to have translated into dfs this year is like no one wants to miss that first win everyone just wants to be on the figala when he wins for the first time he's 125 to one i get it it's it's a fine price to bet go and bet him go and be amongst the thousand people that bet him uh, and don't put him in DFS because I I see no reason to to think that he's going to do well. Um, I guess the only thing Phoenix Phoenix things that, yeah. yeah like if that's it and he shot a 66 in round two at the Valero I guess is is another bonus but you know didn't do anything at Houston at the start of the year it made the cut like he's making the cut in Texas so I guess that's a bonus but I I don't think that the, there's nothing I see in Sahith that makes me go like he's a safe play again though if if you're going for this high upside thing, and I've just talked about with Wolf and and everyone else, just chuck him in there as well, I guess. I don't, you know, that that gives you yeah. eighty two hundred for the last one in. You can put Lamar Leishman in. I'm not buying that his upside is all that high right now. To be honest, that's that's. I don't think he's that guy right now. I I like him. I think he's kind of been tailing off a little bit of late, and um, I just think it's a narrative thing that's just kind of steamed well, out of control you know he's had those two chances right and, and i don't like what he did in those two chances phoenix is a bit unlucky right I, I, that was that was tough but if it went to a playoff i wouldn't necessarily have fancied his chances uh sanderson didn't do it right when he had a good chance so there's nothing to say that he's just this stone cold killer that i think everyone thinks he's gonna be um 
don't know. I think if I had, if I had a choice out of betting him or Wolf, I'd bet Wolf. Well, absolutely, absolutely. I, I did bet Wolf, and I would. I, I'm not even considering betting uh, Sahith. But there's a guy at $100 cheaper, half the ownership or more that I that I like better, and I think even has a higher upside this week. And that's uh, my guy Brandon Wu, who I had the top 10 on a couple of weeks ago, and I had him at 130 to one, and he almost got in that play, got into a playoff with Rom. And um, I just think ceiling-wise, his ceiling is really high. He won that Corn Ferry Championship on uh, 2020. He's last four starts prior to Wells, third, 33rd, 28th, second. Um, I didn't like him necessarily as much at Wells Fargo. I think the course it wasn't really his type of course, but. He's one of those guys who played a lot on the Corn Ferry. He was used to going low, can keep up in a birdie fest. Um, and I, I like Brandon Wu a lot better than Tagala this week. Yeah, I mean, I just looked. He's he's only got one event in Texas over this kind of 15-event period that I've got going, but that was 17th in Houston. So that's a bonus. Different kind of test, I guess. But, you know, that's absolutely fine. I think, you know, at that range, Matt, it's, it's guys that you like, right? You know, you, you do like Brandon Wu. That's just someone that you do like. Um, why not? I think I say this at the betting part of the show every year, uh, every week, sorry, and, and I'm going to say it the same thing in DFS. Once you get to the, the seven and, and below, you're just taking guys that you like. There's, there's right. no reason to be confident in any of them. Um, you know, they're, they're down here for a reason. I thought that Ches Reeve was starting to show a little bit of life, back to back top 15 finishes. Phoenix is a good, you know, thing for him. So. That could be interesting. But other than that, there's no one that I feel particularly strong about at the 6K range. I mentioned to you um, a couple of players yesterday, which I'm just trying to bring back up, that uh, Adam Schenk was one of them. I think it was that, that I was pretty happy with. Um, he, he obviously finished ninth last time out, 7th at the Corrales, finished 29th in Houston where he shot a second round 64. Um, so there was a couple of things to like about Adam Schenk, but otherwise I'm not too keen on that many people down here and don't feel the need to get there either. I like Shank. That's a good a good call. He was good last week. Um, again, everyone here is below two percent. Every single player besides one who's at nine. Do you know who that is? Is it Austin Smotherman? Yes. <laughs> Just like we like said last week, I don't get it. I know he was pretty good last week. But, but like... yeah, the only thing I would say that this was what I was preparing to say to you because uh, I knew this was going to come up. This is now the right price to play Austin Smotherman. Like if you're desperate to play Austin Smotherman and he's your last guy in, I'm fine with that. It's not at 9%, though, at 6,600. I guess it's just what you do at the top, right? If you're taking Zalatoris and people like that, then you can't really be putting Austin Smotherman in. Um, if you're taking the 5% guys that we've been talking about in you know, in, in Leishman and you are desperate to put a safe guy in from the bottom, but you know, what's safe? <laughs> Is Austin Smotherman safe? I don't know. Um... No. Um, he isn't, but there are two two guys that I do like uh, who are pretty much unowned. Um, Charles Schwartzel, who has been good um, in Texas. He was in contention here last year. I was actually on him last year um, here, and I thought he actually had a little bit of a chance on, on Sunday. Um, and he, I think the 3M was something we talked about as a bit of a um, comp, finished second there. And he, you know, he's he's been playing okay, I guess. Um, he's someone who I would maybe consider going going with down there. Um, and then was tenth of the Masters somehow. I know we t- we talked about that already. <laughs> and then Henrik, who Henrik Stenson, who again unowned, but he's gained strokes and approach in four straight events. He's made three straight cuts. He was 18th at Valero. Um, so maybe he could kind of 
you know, Birdie Fest isn't really his jam, especially at this stage in his career, but he's a guy who I think could get through sneakily. 15th over the last eight weeks in his strokes gain approach in this field. Wow. So it's pretty impressive, right? Um, never thought about Henry Stenson. Not once, which is interesting. <laughs> and I think I've, a couple of times I've tried to get to Stenson this year thinking it was going to be a good idea, and then this week I haven't. And actually, maybe that's that's got me thinking. The other guy that I did take, and this is going to... This is actually going to let me go into that uh, nicely. Luke Donald. I was I was really keen for Luke Donald not to get the European Ryder Cup captaincy because it feels like he's showing a little bit of a renaissance right in his game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought if he took that captaincy, and I don't know if that had any bearing on on it whatsoever, but I felt if he did, that was the end of whatever he's got coming back. Um, third and fourth in two of his last five starts in strokes gain approach, just hitting the ball incredibly well. Um, that is Luke Donald to a T. I think the game has passed him by where he can win on these golf courses because, you know, he he does need that little bit of extra power. Even though we're saying that, you know, we don't want to pigeonhole guys in. But I think was he thirteenth here last year? I think that is probably the absolute upside for Luke Donald. But that's fine. You know, sixty five hundred, you'd be absolutely delighted if he did that. Um, oh, it'd be us. Three rounds of sixty seven or better here last year. Open with a sixty five. Just had a seventy three in the second round. I think he's going to have one of those bad rounds because. I think there's going to be a day where his irons aren't completely on or his driver is wayward and short and, you know, it will just catch up with him. But, yeah, I think I think top 20, top 30, top 40 bets, first round leader if you wanted to, I didn't. But, you know, top Englishman, any of those types of bets. And then just, I think he's, a, I don't, you can't be safe, you know, this this range. But he's making a lot of cuts for, for someone that has been out of the kind of, realms for a long time what has he made the last three of his last four of his last five um cuts yeah. so 16th at the Valspar 25th at the Wells Fargo I like the fact that he's just performing well where you'd expect him to Sony he was 27th all the time someone's playing well on the golf courses that you think he should that's a good sign um Mexico he played well in the second round and just missed the cut uh the Mike over uh, at the start of the season I just think about courses that kind of suit him so even when he's missing the cut he's not missing the cut by a ton like 75 71 mexico open wasn't terrible 71 71 at the phoenix not you know not disastrous you'd like to see him play well at the puerto rico open if you think he's going to win at any point in his career again but i'm not worried about winning upside this range i'm just worried about if i have to put a final man in that would be luke donald yeah i I agree i think um, i was thinking about him before but you have me thinking about him now i think it's a pretty good idea and I do think what you said does hold a lot of weight. You said you weren't sure about the Ryder Cup thing, but guys like Donald, that, that means so much to them that yeah. it has to have a lot of weight on their mind. He, he would just not be good. Like he he wouldn't like. It's not like Harrington who just actually played his best golf when he was, you know, following these guys around because um, he's just that's Podrick Harrington. He does he goes against the grain in everything he does. Whereas Luke Donald, I just think he'd be so meticulous. I think he'd be so prideful. He would completely disregard his own game to you know for the benefit of the team and. He doesn't need that. He's, he's playing good golf. Um, the other guy, Scott Piercy's hitting his irons well again, which is always a good sign with Scott Piercy. I liked him last week, first round leader. Shot 67. He was uh, he finished 37th, which is fine. So if, if you know you're looking at Stenson there at 6700, Piercy's interesting as well. Um, he's a mental case, but you know you can, you can put him in the golf lineup. That's fine. So those that would be my final guys. I, I don't think there's any more that I'd, I'd really consider at a 6K. No. Um... Nope, I think that's that's about it for me too. Um, I do like your call on Shank. If I had to go down there, I think I could go there. 
Um, and Donald makes some sense for me too. And Stenson could be a, a wild card. Yep. No, I like that. So let's uh, summarize our picks. I think we're both in agreement that Jordan Spieth's going to win the golf tournament. So we have to take him at 10-1. I don't think there's any, mm-hmm. any debate there. Uh, 9K range for you. Are you playing Zalatoris and just taking the chalk? Yeah, I'm going to go with Zalatoris. So what I said, I should take Burns, but I'm, I'm kind of leaning to Zalatoris after the conversation that we had. Um, the listeners can make their mind up on that one. 8K range, I'm going to take Taylor Gooch. I'm going to go with um, 8K. I'm going to go with uh, Kokrak. Yeah, I thought, I thought you'd like that. And you know, it makes a ton of sense. Cameron Champ would be an interesting one as well. Is is someone that, just for the ownership purposes. Uh, 7K range. Um, Leishman, probably my favorite player on the board at that price. Yeah, I'm going to go with my guy, JJ Spawn. Um, although you got me thinking about Matt Wolf, but I think maybe just as a bet. I think that's probably the, the best thing to do. And in 6K, I'm going to finish up with Luke Donald. Um, I like that. Uh, for me, you know, I, I guess, I, I don't know if I'm even going to play the 6K range. And I, Brandon Wood, 7K flat, I like a lot better than any of these guys. Um, but for the sake of saying 6K, I'm going to say... Um, Henrik Stenson. Let's get those two dusty Europeans as our last people in. If uh, you know, yep. if you need, if you need that, I don't, I don't think with the way that we're going to build our lineups, we need to go into there. Um, but if yeah. you, if there's for some reason you, you, you've really gone overweight at the top, um, I like Luke Donald. You like Henrik Stenson. So, Matt, I think that uh, that finishes us off for the Byron Nelson. You know, I've kept you long enough. Um, we're going to do a slightly earlier show, hopefully for the PJ Championship. That is our plan. Uh, we're hoping to record that during the final round of the Byron Nelson, um, you know, permitting that prices are out and there's no sort of big swings that would affect what we're saying. But I think it'd also be quite cool if, if you know, if someone that's in contention that we were thinking about next week is, you know, is performing. That could, uh, the only thing slightly was not going to have ownership projections, but I think, you know, we can make a kind of educated guess as to where people are going to go. Yeah, and I, I can't wait to talk about the... Um... You know what? We will have some ownership projections because they do release them early. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are going to be just ignoring this week and building for next week. So I think we will have a bit of an idea. And I'm excited to talk about the PGA Championship. And I'm also excited to record during that Sunday final round. Hopefully we're both um, screaming with joy. <laughs> yeah. You know, if Spieth makes a big putt or, you know, if you get on Wolf or whatever else uh, may be. But I think that will be kind of an interesting way and a fun way to get it out early, too. I'm going to join you on Wolf. I'm going to do it. So we've got two, yeah. two horses that we can cheer on together. All right, sounds good. All right, buddy. Thank you. Take care.